Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every single day. Today is Wednesday, the 1st of May, and I'm your host, Shannon Jones, and I am joined via Skype by healthcare guru Todd Campbell. Todd, how are you today? Shannon, I'm doing great. And before I forget, I wanted to give you a shout out, a thank you, if you will, for turning me on to probably one of the best Twitter feeds or Twitter handles that I've seen in years. <laughs> of course, you can be speaking none other than just says in mice. For That's our right. listeners out there, if you have not found it on Twitter just yet, please make sure to follow just says in mice. This is a scientist who literally created an account, uh, created an account simply to track studies that are done in mice where they try to extrapolate those studies to human studies. And it's hilarious. It's sad at the same time, I guess, Todd. I don't know how else to put it. (laughs) It's a very good reality check to the clickbait that is scientific discovery when they say something crazy like, uh, you know, wine will extend your lives by 30 years. Just as in mice. It's just in mice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you for bringing that up, Todd. And we've got a show for our listeners today. I'm excited because we've got earnings season. We've got two companies uh, to talk about on the show today that reported earnings fresh off the bell yesterday, the first of which being Teladoc, and then the other is Tandem Diabetes Care. I'm excited to dive in because at the end of the day, Todd, I want to know which of these stocks had the better quarter? So, without further ado, let, let's start off with the first one. Um, let's look at Teladoc. And for our listeners out there, that is ticker symbol TDOC. Um, Teladoc, leading telehealth provider out there, shares have been pretty volatile, especially when you look back over you know the last six months or so, especially that last quarter of 2018. Um, and despite some Signs of recovery earlier this year. The stock is still down about 30%. Um, coming off of earnings yesterday, stock has kind of been hovering uh, around 1.5% up on earnings news. Todd, what are some of the, the headline figures here? Yeah, I mean, for uh, great to talk about disruptive companies, right? I just love disruptive stocks, and certainly Teladoc is one of them. I think that investors should probably know before we get into the numbers. You know why has this stock been pretty volatile and kind of actually it's trended down over the course of the last I don't know three or four or five months, and you know we had a few different things. We had some concerns about some of the marketing that they were doing on YouTube, and you know whether or not that was okay. We had a short seller who took aim at it for some of its uh, EBITDA uh, reporting, and then we also um, had a departure of their CFO. So I think there were a lot of people who are who are coming into this report short the stock. I want to say, Shannon, that about twenty eight percent of the float was held short in this stock uh, coming into the report, which is pretty remarkable and probably one of the reasons why shares rallied relatively sharply after they reported their number. As you said, leading provider of telehealth. So what we're talking about is, I don't feel good. I don't want to go to the doctor's office. So I'm gonna go online uh, and speak with a doctor using my smartphone or my tablet or like you and I use PCs. Um, and you know they put up pretty good numbers Shannon. they had top line revenue was up 129 million. I mean sorry, what totaled 129 million and that was up 43% year over year. And even if you back out the acquisition that they made last year to get international exposure, 
um, even if you back that out, they still grew their revenue by 23%. And what I think is really interesting about that, Shannon, is that they were able to grow that revenue even though the flu season, which is a big driver of visits for telehealth, was pretty tame. So they saw a big drop off year over year in visits due to the flu, yet they were still able to deliver this kind of revenue growth. And I think that's pretty remarkable and suggests, you know, the company's obviously gaining traction. It's disruptive, right? I mean, not to have to go to the doctor's office if you feel horrible. Yes. And really, this quarter marked a huge milestone for Teladoc. They crossed the 1 million visit mark, which is pretty huge. Uh, just breaking down revenue even further here, subscription access fees were $106 million. Those were up 46%. When you look at visit fee revenue, that was $23 million, up 26%. Um, and so, across all channels, you saw total visits up 75% year over year, which is pretty impressive. Um, another interesting uh, data point, really driving home the just massive opportunity for telehealth, is in the behavioral health segment. So they uh, do have a mental health segment um, and really is one of the ripest areas, I think, for these virtual telehealth services. Because if you think about it, many people typically, because of a stigma, or just whatever, tend to not go to see a provider to talk about mental health issues. So this was a really strong channel for them. Teladoc saw total behavioral health visit volume increase by over 100% in Q1, and they're expecting uh, behavioral health total revenue growth to exceed 50% for the full year. Um, also, a, another interesting metric. So, one of the metrics that a lot of investors tend to focus on is utilization rate. Um, and this really is a measure of just how predictable are these visits on an ongoing basis. And it's really defined as total general medical visits divided by paid US memberships. Um, in Q1, they had a utilization rate of 11%, so just slightly ahead of where they were uh, last year. And two, Teladoc actually tends to report the utilization rate a little bit more conservatively than their competitors. So it could even be slightly higher, depending on how you define it. Um, but really, what that tells us is that the platform is catching on with more members. At the end of the day, higher utilization rates boost these high margin patient visits, which in turn, of course, drives revenue and really sets Teladoc up to exceed expectations long term. You mentioned the mental health side of things. I thought it was interesting when I was going through their 10K um, report filing with the SEC. They say that there are about 100 million people um, who live in mental health deserts. You know, basically they live in these rural areas where you know it's very hard to get to someone. So I mean, you talk about the stigma. Well, yeah, there's the stigma and the fact that you know I'm going to have to drive an hour, an hour and a half, or whatever. So telehealth is kind of a nice natural fit for that population, and it's a relatively large population. Um, to back up a second, make sure that people understand how this company makes its money, it gets the bulk of its revenue by selling access, so subscriber access fees. It has 12,000 clients, and those clients are health insurers, hospital systems, self-insured companies. So what happens is these payers, um, recognizing that it's a heck of a lot cheaper to provide someone with a telehealth visit than it is an in-office visit, um, are promoting the use of telehealth and making telehealth, 
from Teladoc available to their members. And that's really what's driving a lot of this this growth. It's not just organic you and I talking about it with our friends and family and people saying, oh, that might be interesting the next time I have a flu. It's also payers are saying, I can save a lot of money and improve my margins and maybe even reduce premiums at some point if I can drive most of my members to telehealth. That's a really bis- dis- huge disruptive long-term trend, especially when you consider that the CDC says there are, I think I say it's 990 million office visits per year, which is just crazy number. That's you know, especially when you think about right, Shan, you said one million, they did one million visits in the quarter. I mean 990 million opportunities for growth. Massive opportunities for growth. And really just the the telemedicine field in general is just completely revolutionizing how healthcare is delivered. Um, I think it's one of the few innovations in healthcare where it's not just about cost. It's also about access, to your point. Um, they have the partnership with CVS slash Aetna to also expand uh, access through the CVS app as well. And that's also about being able to reach patients where they're at. If they have the app, they are more than likely to use the Teladoc platform. Now, granted, rollout for that has been a bit slow, a little bit slower than I think Teladoc would like, but that's a part of its plans. Um, But yeah, it's the access, it's the lower cost. Um, The interesting thing, though, and one of the areas that I think I'll be watching is that, of course, Teladoc isn't the only telehealth provider in town. Just last month, um, it's a private competitor, but it's Doctors On Demand said that they're going to be launching a service that's called On Hand, which is basically a virtual first. And really, for some patients, maybe even a virtual-only healthcare plan um, that's really designed to give patients access again to physicians. And with this plan also comes, again, the lower cost, but premiums could literally be cut in half with this type of plan. Um, And listening to the conference call yesterday with Teladoc, that was one of the questions that came up from the analysts. It's like, how are you responding to this? Are you thinking about a separate plan specific just to virtual health visits. And of course, the company says, yes, it is on our minds. It's something we're thinking about. But that, I think, is a huge threat, but also a huge opportunity for Teladoc here as well. On the conference call, they also asked the question, you know, talking about competitive landscape, they, they were wondering, hey, it seems like a few of these health insurers have actually taken equity stakes in venture capital rounds of some of their competitors. It kind of seems like, you know, we're carving out these uh, specific channels, you know, where where yes, Teladoc works with these people and their competitor works with these people, and there's not really much overlap. On the conference call, management did try to say, "Listen, we're agnostic. We think we can win business away. We think that we continue to continue to expand in our existing relationships, and one of those relationships, United Healthcare. United Healthcare is the biggest insurer in America, uh, with I think like a hundred and." something million insured lives. And they are only scratching the surface of members that they currently serve through United Healthcare. They did hint that that could be a, an expanded relationship with them could be coming, but they said that we're not going to make that announcement. That's United Healthcare's announcement to make. They have 26.7 million US paid subscribers uh, so that are covered by those payers. They're buying the subscriber access fees, 26.7 million. And Shan, one of the things that blew me away when I was looking through those filings, uh, they say that at their existing clients alone, they think that there's an addre- addressable market of 50 million 
untapped, 50 million people. So just at their existing clients, they could go from 26.7 million um, and add 50 million more to that, which is uh, would would be obviously remarkable. That's so interesting. I was actually reading a stat just before the show that said, of um, people who are employed that have access to telehealth, eighty percent haven't even utilized the service yet. So I mean, that is a huge opportunity for them. Probably a lot more education. Of course, that does mean they have to rely on employers and insurance providers to really drive that service. But that's a huge opportunity. Let's also talk about the other massive opportunity, Todd, and that is the Medicare Advantage plans that are out there. 22 million people potentially on tap for Teladoc. Um, listening to the call yesterday, of course, that came up. It sounds like we may not uh, hear more about it until the latter half of this year, but Teladoc is very much in talks with many of these plans to get this up and running. Right. So remember that number we just talked about, 26 million is where they are right now. Now you're talking about a potential to reach another 22 million just through Medicare Advantage. And that doesn't, you know, eventually, if Medicare Advantage is allowed, Traditional Medicare probably will follow. So you're talking about tens of millions more there as well. Um, you're right. They were kind of cagey about pricing. No idea how that's going to translate. They don't want to, it's not baked into any guidance or whatever, but it's coming. Telehealth is coming to Medicare. I, I think that that's the takeaway. And I think it probably won't start contributing revenue until 2020, late 2020, maybe 2021, but it's coming. So I think you're right. That's a huge potential catalyst. We should also not forget. That this is now a global company, you know, um, because of acquisitions. Now they can provide telehealth services in Europe, for example, which opens up what 500 million more people, uh, theoretically, uh, as far as the target market. And again, you know, they have different. They have a single payer systems over there. You don't know how the reimbursement's going to go, but they, um, because telehealth saves money, there's a, a lot of opportunity there. For, for traction and future growth. They said on the conference call, 20% to 30% organic growth expected this year. And when pressed, they said, yeah, we think that that will continue through 2020. So, you know, a 20 to 30% grower is, is pretty good. But, Shannon, they still lose money. They are still losing money. Uh, more of the same, and, and not unexpected at this point, but something to certainly keep an eye on. All right, let's turn the page. Let's talk about the second stock that reported earnings after the bell. Um, and this is really the turnaround story that I don't think gets enough press or enough coverage. And that is none other than insulin pump manufacturer Tandem Diabetes Care, that's ticker symbol TNDM. Um, this has been such an interesting stock to watch. I think what's more astounding to me, Todd, is that this was a stock that at one point, I believe in 2017, when the company was really at its ultimate lows, had blow after blow coming after it, was trading for like $2 a share. I think it opened up 2018 at maybe $3 a share. Um, looking at it today, this is a stock that's trading around $60 a share. I have to admit, 15. I was one of those people that had pretty much written this company off, Todd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 1,500% return in 2018. 1,500%. That's crazy. So, I mean, you have a very competitive marketplace. And up until last year, a lot of people looked at Tandem and said, yeah, they're kind of an also-ran. Um, because you had Insulet that had this tubeless insulin pump. And a lot of people were really big fans of that. And they were like, why would people want a tubed pump like Tandem's offering? What ended up happening over the course of the last year is you had J&J's Animus exit the business. So that put a whole bunch of new customers up for grabs. 
And they won FDA approval of the use of some software that creates their first-generation automated insulin device. Essentially, what this first-generation one does is it knows enough to temporarily suspend insulin uh, dosing from the pump if you are at risk of a dangerous blood sugar low, which is very, very important. Um, Sales have been gangbusters since then. I mean, the pump shipments are through the roof. They won this approval last August. And in last, you know, that quarter, so the third quarter last year, they shipped 8,400 pumps, which was pretty remarkable. That was up 118%. Well, guess what? In Q1, they shipped 14,732 pumps, 75% more, Shannon, than they had shipped in that first quarter that, that this, um, this system became available. And, and honestly, so much more room to run because the size of the addressable market is massive. And they think they only have about 100,000 people um, who are using their pumps today. Yeah, and only about 27% of patients that have type 1 diabetes are using pumps. So to your point, Todd, this is a massive opportunity. Uh, Tandem thinks that in America, um, it can actually increase those that are using insulin pumps from 550,000 to 900,000 total. Um, Outside of the U.S., there's another 3 million people with type 1 diabetes they can also go after. So yeah, the Opportunity here is massive. Um, I love that Tandem is partnering with probably one of the, if not the most innovative diabetes manufacturer out there, which is Dexcom right now, um, with their G6 system, I believe it is. Um, I think this is an area, I think 2018, uh, looking back, the diabetes space was probably one of the top performers in terms of uh, subsectors within the industry. No surprise there, because they have been innovating in so many different ways. Um, And really, I think they're just getting started, Todd. Right. So you have the Dexcom sensors. Those are the ones that are evaluating your glucose levels uh, consistently. And then you have them feeding information to the pump. And that's how the pump's making its decisions. The the shipments that we talked about translated it into 142% year-over-year revenue growth for the company. 66 million. So again, to put that in perspective, in the third quarter of last year, when this device first got approved, sales were 46 million. So 66 million in the first quarter, up 142%. And the reason that that really amazes me is that durable equipment like this has significant seasonality because people typically try to avoid spending on purchases that are expensive like this until they've met their deductible for the year. So usually, Sales are tilted toward the back end of a plan year, you know, so the fourth quarter. First quarter is usually incredibly weak because few people have made their deductibles. Yet, even with that headwind, you were still able to deliver uh, this kind of growth. And I think that that, you know, obviously shows that people who suffer from diabetes, who need multiple daily injections, type 1, obviously, especially 1.25 million type 1 diabetics here in the U.S., like you said, only about 30% of them on pumps right now. This would seem to be a slam dunk. And yeah, so I, I, I think that this was a, a, a very strong showing for this company, especially given that seasonal tailwind headwind. And not only that, Todd, but when you think about the competition in this space, you've got a massive player like Medtronic, um, who they've been able to capture market share from. When I see numbers like this, that tells me that they are 
very quickly encroaching on Medtronic space. And it's not just Medtronic. It's also Insulet is another major player in the space. I think Tandem has about 12% of the market right now. Would not surprise me to see those numbers go go up uh, significantly, especially as we move toward the end of the year. Um, but, I mean, it's interesting when we talk about the competitive dynamics because it was back in 2016-2017 that um, United Health dropped Tandem and actually picked up Medtronic in terms of coverage and reimbursement. And that was really, I think, a reason a lot of analysts went ahead and just kind of wrote this company off, because that was just such a huge rug to pull from under this company. Um, our colleague, Brian Feroldi, who's worked in the space for about a decade, he even said, I didn't think they'd recover from this. So, to not only see this company recover from something like that, and granted, you've had other smaller competitors start to fall away, but to then start posting revenue numbers like this, it's just so impressive, Todd. It really is. I mean, insul- these aren't these companies aren't going to roll over and give uh, give this market to tandem. Okay, Medtronic was actually the first to have one of these automated systems launch. Theirs though is so it's so bulky and it's not nearly as as sophisticated as tandems. Medtronic isn't going to give up. They're going to come back with their own revised offering using their own sensors and their own pumps. Insulet is working with Dexcom on their own device. Uh, that's expected to hit in 2020. So, you know, there's a competitive threat there. Eli Lilly is working on one. A privately held company called Bigfoot Biomedical is working on one. So there's a lot of competition in this space. But I think one of the things that investors should recognize is that Tandem has a head start. And, you know, People don't usually switch until their warranty is up on these devices. So, you know, landing as many accounts early on like this could help them um, when it comes to maintaining market share, even when these others launch. The other thing, too, is that they have an update to the, uh, the, the system that got approved last year. Supposedly, you know, if the FDA cooperates, that's going to hit this year. It's called Control IQ. Control IQ will actually automatically adjust up and down insulin, depending on you know those readings from those sensors. So you're not only just preventing the lows, you're preventing highs, you're preventing lows. You're keeping um, the patient within their desired range uh, for a longer period of time in the day, and that's huge to delaying disease progression and hopefully extending lives for people with diabetes. So yes, competitive threats exist. It all, but we shouldn't ignore the fact that they do have an innovation advantage and a leadership advantage. So, Todd, at the end of the day, you've got Teladoc on one hand, you've got Tandem Diabetes Care on the other. Which of these companies do you think is the winner in terms of earnings at the end of the day? Who, who won this battle? I'm going to say Tandem. I'm going to say Tandem, and here's why. Okay, so Teladoc has this great, awesome, and, and I'm a shareholder, you know, a great, awesome um addressable market opportunity. But their losses widened last quarter, and their guidance for the full year, although there's 95% visibility, according to management, into Teladoc's numbers uh, forecast for the year, um, it's, their guidance was unchanged. So flip that now and look at Tandem. Tandem not only saw huge, huge improvements in gross margin and operating margin, they also still lose money. But I think their operating margin went from negative 57% to negative 17%, which is just a remarkable improvement, showing the leverage that they have. They took their full-year guidance up to at least $300 million from $255 million, what, 
two and a half months ago, three months ago. So they just increased the bottom end of their guidance by $45 million over the course of the span of, of two and a half months. And I think, so for me, I think tandem, push comes to shove, is the one that had the better quarter. All right. For all our listeners out there, Tandem is the winner of this round, but we will be sure to keep you up to date on all the latest earnings battles going on out there. But that'll do it for this week's industry-focused healthcare show. Um, As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Todd Campbell, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening, and full on. (laughs) 